Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. While North Dakota's resident waterfall season is likely the focus of the outdoors this weekend, there are still some fishing opportunities out there. For example, Devil's Lake anglers continue finding lots of small walleye, with the bite definitely transitioning to jigs and minnows. Crankbaits in deeper water could also produce success. Try working along the highways or power lines in the middle of the lake, along Mave Coulee or Pelican Lake. In addition, look for some white bass and perch success in East Bay. Reports are scant again from Jamestown and Pipestem Reservoirs, but Lake Ashtabula is still offering up an occasional nice-sized pike with some walleye mixed in. Bass activity slowed, but a few more perch are showing up. Farther west, the Missouri River tail race is experiencing low water conditions with lower Garrison Dam releases from Lake Skakwea. That's slowing walleye, trout, and salmon activity, although there's still some good catfish numbers. Use caution when fishing the tail race rocks from shore because they're really slippery. Look for some success at night from walleye, for walleye, from boats, but the day bites generally producing catfish. The east end of Lake Sakakwea, those bays along the dam around uh, Pick City, Riverdale, are producing some salmon from the top of the water all the way down, with fish scattered throughout much of the water column. Try crankbaits or even flashers and squids from boats or spoons from shore in the bays. Also, continue working deep for walleye using night crawlers. Better success seems to be further west to Pick City. And finally, just a reminder that early waterfall season often means lots of brown ducks with birds lacking their full adult plumage. Be sure to ID before pulling the trigger. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Scotty Brewer, Kyle Agri, Brewer Agri Outdoors. We're going to chat with another good buddy of ours, Mr. Joel Nelson. Joel Nelson Outdoors. How you doing, Joel? Welcome to Gone Outdoors. Doing great. Uh, good to be back again, guys. So one thing that, let's talk fall fishing. Um, yeah. One, one, one thing that I've been doing more of this year, and I think it's really a great tip for a lot of anglers, 
is to maybe pull out some of your ice fishing units and put them in your boat. You know, whether it's a camera, whether it's a flasher or a map, mapping unit, you know, that type of stuff in the wintertime is huge for us when we use it. But it also has a lot of advantages in the summertime on open water, especially in the fall when you're getting ready to start looking for where you think those fish are going to be first ice. Yeah, it uh, it never fails. I'm I'm you know <laughs> I'm checking out a spot around a sunken island or a reef or something offshore, and I'll see a nice little feeding shelf, you know, and fifteen to twenty feet of water, and think to myself, you know, that that would be a great ice spot. And if it's late enough in the fall, sometimes fish have already slid up on it, and then then you're thinking, okay, well, I see that there's fish there, but what are they? And uh, like I'm sure you guys have uh, done before, if you spend too many times fishing marks sometimes those are uh, lake white fish or suckers or down by me they're white bass or sheephead or god knows what right yeah oh yeah so when when you go out there and you mark those spots and let's say it's a spot that's not on the map very well and you want to put a waypoint down what what do you do do you transfer your waypoints to your to your winter units later do you bring the winter unit out on the boat with you and then you can just punch it right into that unit what what do you do to make sure that you have those spots um, once your boat's put away you know i think it kind of depends on the lake for me uh there's a lot of times where i'm almost like pre-mapping or, or pre-figuring out my spots i'm just kind of looking at likely areas and then uh when it's time to you know we get later in the fall you kind of get it up against a couple weeks where you're like well ice is imminent and that's when i've got uh, that markham mx7 in the boat with me and i'm literally just plugging the points directly into that for no no other reason but it's a very portable unit it's easy to do i don't have to monkey around with chips and cards and transferring or any of that i literally just pull it out of the storage compartment of the boat and start dropping points on the fish that I see on the graph. But again, underwater cameras being key to make sure that what, what I think are walleyes or what I think are crappies are actually the target species. So I, I, I find them on the graph first. Uh, I, I confirm what they are with the underwater camera. And then I, I, you know, I add the points in directly to that MX seven. So, Joel, when you're out there scanning, when you're out there looking for these places to fish, you're thinking ahead to ice. I mean, I, you've got all these wheels churning at the same time, right? And on top yeah. of the fact that you're out there trying to catch fish, one of the things that I guess I think about is when you're when you're doing all of this, do you just keep your camera in the water when you're trolling, when you're just slowly, or do you do you, do you actually only drop it in when you when you want to see what those particular marks are? You know, I, depending on the speed, I do a little bit of both. You know, if you've got kind of that sit and fish style with kind of that pop-up screen, maybe like a 485 or, a, or like a mark of mission or a quest, you know, those got the big manta wings on them and they pull through the water really nicely. So that, that one is actually really nice to have down if you're going even a couple miles an hour and just kind of pulling along. Um, if I'm using that smaller handheld unit, like that pursuit HDL or something smaller than that, then I'll literally wait till I get to the spot. I'll drop it right on the structure down and up. And usually it's, I've already got the fish found. I usually see them on side imaging or I'll see them directly on the 2d sonar. And it's simply a matter of confirming what I'm seeing. So it, it kind of depends on the situation and what we're doing, but, uh, you know, I like to mix work with pleasure there. So I, <laughs> if I'm fishing at the same time, if I'm trolling, Yep, then it's the suitcase style kind of sit and fish. And if I'm just uh, dedicated looking for ice spots, well, then I'll use the smaller cameras and pop and drop. 
You know, Joel, I just got to say, too, Scott and I both have used that Pursuit HD camera. Mine has not left the glove box of my of my boat all season. <laughs> and it's continually being pulled out because it, it gives you such a great picture. It's it's really kind of fun. Plus, it's great for the grandkids to see what they're catching. It's super convenient. It fits in that glove box, like you said, of the boat. Um, I, I've used it quite a bit, actually, for weeds. You know, you get on a good defined weed line a lot of times you can find certain certain things at the basis of those weeds that, you know, maybe it's more coontail than it is cabbage or vice versa. Maybe you got a little bit of uh, rocks on the end of those weeds. I, you know, there's, there's so many times I've got a fishy spot, a waypoint that's worked out well over the years. And, uh, you know, you hit these lakes and you kind of forget about these spots. You go check them out, you drop a camera on them and it confirms why they were good spots to begin with. But then more importantly, helps you key in and potentially find other spots like that later. I just, yeah, the camera is just such a key piece of, uh, of equipment. It's not just a toy. It's a real, really, it's a tool. Yeah. Well, you know, one, one of the things that I've used it a lot for this summer is when you get on into a school of crappies or a school of bluegills, um, it's really easy to be able to tell where the bigger ones are, if they're higher in the water column, lower in the water column, or if they're not there at all. You know, then you can then you can move out. You know, the side imaging picks that stuff up pretty well, but it can be difficult to figure out what size they are, and the camera really excels at that. So I, I do I do have one question for both of you yeah. guys. You talk about this this glove box thing. What is that? I, I don't I don't is that some extra? My my tillers don't come with one of them, so I'm not quite sure what it is. There's a reason. That's because you're always wearing your gloves. <laughs> yeah, I uh, with the, with the family, I uh, I have been relegated to wheelboat usage. Not that I mind it; I, I do like the full windshield, especially in big water. But I hear you, man. Tillers, uh, I was a tiller life guy for a long time. All right, so uh, you mentioned the MX Seven a little bit ago. Yep. Uh, that's something that we've had in our boat almost all year. We keep it in the front of the boat. I don't have a. a regular depth finder in the front of my boat and I got three of them in back but I don't have any up front and that has had a lot of use in the front of the boat both for mapping and for for sonar and it's set up just in ice fishing mode it's not plugged in you know you just run it off the battery on the unit right right and you you can run a map so whoever's up front can look at the map they know where you're going that you know they can see all of that and it's something that we have sitting in the garage. You know, why yeah. not put it in the boat? You know, I, it's, I agree completely. It's so easy to use. And then the fact that it's got a lithium battery in it, or if you've got it on a lithium shuttle, then you can fish a weekend with that sucker and not have to worry about charging it. So people are like, well, what, why would you run it off the internal battery? Well, because <laughs> it's self-contained. You just pop it out. But I, you know, I've got a buddy that uses his quite a bit. He's a really fishy kind of guy. And he actually uses it for vertical jigging right below the boat. You know, ice fishing style can be effective in open water and and nothing does vertical jigging and picking up your jig better than an ice fishing flasher. So, you know, that's something I'd invite listeners to try, especially here later into the fall as crappies start to stack up or walleyes kind of establish themselves on those weed lines and are kind of roaming. You can, you can just drop right on top of them and it's just a lot of fun. It reminds me of ice fishing. 
Yeah, you know, and Kyle and I have used that up when we're doing fall river trips up the Rainy River or Winnipeg River. And there's honestly no reason why everybody in the boat shouldn't have one. You know, the hardest thing about doing that is current, yeah. you know, where the current is. So you got to you got to be able to place your jig underneath that transducer. You know, you might have to put the unit a couple feet behind where you're sitting um, and then drop that over the edge. But it really does help. It helps put more fish in the boat uh, just because you can react a little better, just like you can in the wintertime when those fish come in. Especially if fish are in a lazy mood or the, the bite's not quite right, you have the ability to entice them. Whereas in open water fishing, so often we're vertically jigging blind. Well, this, uh, this gives you that extra edge and really does help put more fish in the boat. Yep. All right, Joe, we really appreciate you coming on Gone Outdoors, talking ice fishing in the summer a little bit, and it ain't going to be long, and we're going to be talking about ice fishing on the ice. Well, it is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.